Uh, now let's jump into part three of this series, Breaking Point. And uh, I'll start with a story. I had a little adventure last weekend, so I brought a picture, check it out. Yes, a flat tire on the side of the road. How exciting, what an adventure. So you know how this goes, right? You get the flat tire and then you have to find that jack that's hidden somewhere in your vehicle. You find it, you get the, in this case, the truck up in there a little bit, and then you have to find the spare tire. Now on this particular vehicle, the spare tire is underneath, like underneath the bed of the truck. So I climb underneath and I'm looking around, I find it, now it's time to lower it down and I can't figure it out. Now, I'm not the most mechanical guy out there, I'll admit it, but I'm under the truck, I'm, I'm turning things, uh, I'm banging on things, I, I do have some tools, uh, and just rust is just falling all over me. I cannot figure out how to get this tire down. So I did what all of us do when you can't figure out how to do something. YouTube. Right, I'm on the side of the road, I got my phone out and I'm you know, talking to Siri. How do you lower the spare tire on a 97 F-150? Boom, all kinds of videos. So I watch it. Okay, there's a tool underneath the hood of the truck. Some of you guys are like, I, duh. And you pull that out and there's this little hole by the license plate and you start cranking it and the tire lowers, which is all great, except everything was rusted out and broken and I had to call a tow truck anyway. Just, just fun weekend. But YouTube, I'm sure you have discovered the glory of YouTube. You can, you can learn how to do anything on YouTube. You got a plumbing leak, YouTube. You wanna learn how to play the guitar, YouTube. I mean, and if you're a parent of kids in school, the best thing about YouTube, math videos. I mean, long division, I don't even know. YouTube, there we go. Now, the reason I bring this up we're gonna be spending some time with uh, the prophet Jeremiah today. So way back in the Old Testament, like 600 BC. And, and Jeremiah, in his life, he's gonna hit a breaking point. And we're gonna to get to see that today. And, and what he does in response to that breaking point, he goes to God in this unbelievably emotional prayer. And this prayer gives us well, it's like a how-to video on YouTube. It is a tutorial, a, te a template, a roadmap for how to navigate the breaking points of life. So a little bit more about Jeremiah before we jump in. Uh, his job was to call God's people back to faithfully following him because they were not. And uh, one of the things that God asked him to do, just a very specific and unusual request, he told Jeremiah, uh, go to a potter and buy a clay jar. Then gather some of the leaders of God's people and take them outside of Jerusalem to this valley, the, it's called the Valley of Ben-Hinnom. And when you get there, uh, I have some very specific things for you to do and say. And so let me show you uh, what happens here. This is from Jeremiah 19, if you wanna follow along. So he's got his jar, and this is what God tells him to do. Verse 10, then break the jar while those who go with you are watching and say to them, this is what the Lord Almighty says, I will smash this nation and this city just as this potter's jar is smashed and cannot be repaired. Okay, this is intense. It's like smash this thing on the ground and it's like, this is what's gonna happen to you. 
So what's going on here is that God has been warning his people and warning his people over and over and they have not listened. And now it's Jeremiah's job to tell them, okay, it's too late, judgment is coming. The Babylonian empire, they will sweep in, they will conquer the land, destroy the city, plunder the temple and cart off a whole bunch of the people as exiles to Babylon. And and Jeremiah's going, it's happening, it's going down. And I don't know uh, how you would feel about having this job. (laughs) Jeremiah, as we're gonna discover, I don't think he likes this job very much. I think he hates this job. I mean, for one thing, it's not like God said, okay, there's this city way over there, uh, another land, I want you to go over there, I want you to tell those people that they're, you know, they're they're disobeying me and so they're gonna be judged. No, this this is Jeremiah's country. These are his people. This is where his family lives. He grew up here. He's delivering this judgment against his own people. And I would just imagine that that would come with a lot of emotional pain. And so Jeremiah faces emotional pain and as we will see also physical pain because God asks him to go buy another jar and deliver the same message, including smashing the pot in the heart of Jerusalem. In fact, in the temple courts. And so Jeremiah is a good prophet. He does it. And what happens is the leaders of the city are like, we can't have this. We, we can't have this guy going around freaking everybody out, scaring everybody. And so they arrest him. And here's what happens. When the priest, Pashur, son of Amir, the official in charge of the temple of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things, he had Jeremiah the prophet beaten and put in stocks at the upper gate of Benjamin at the Lord's temple. Jeremiah gets beat up and he gets put in stocks overnight. I don't know if it's you know this kind of thing or if he's tied up at the ankle, we don't know, but all night long, he's after getting beat up, he's uncomfortable, he's tied up. Jeremiah is physically abused, publicly humiliated and shamed. And he hits a breaking point. I mean, he falls apart. And that's what we're gonna look at today in how he goes to God and how he navigates it. It's gonna give us like a how-to video on navigating the breaking points of life. And I just know some of you can feel a breaking point coming. It's like school started back up, you're a student, and at first it's pretty easy, you know, you're just getting, you're catching up with everybody, but now the schoolwork is getting more difficult, and now there's tension in your friend group, there's tension at home, and you just feel this breaking point coming. Or perhaps it's at work, one of your coworkers on your team just quit, And you know that everything they were doing is now gonna fall on you. You're gonna have to carry that responsibility. And this is a real challenge because you're already covering for somebody that just left on maternity leave. And you're thinking about this weight of responsibility, the hours that you're gonna have to put in and you can just feel a breaking point coming. Or you're just doing the math. You're adding up how much you spent on school supplies and school clothes for your kids. And and then there was the surprise brake job on the van and now the other car is acting up and you can just see the trouble coming financially. You can feel a breaking point coming. And the truth is we're all headed for a breaking point. I mean, you might be there now, there might be one next week. All of us are headed for a breaking point. 
That's the bad news. The good news is Jeremiah is going to show us, he's going to model for us how you get through these emotionally healthy and with your faith intact. And so what we're going to do, we're going to look at five practices that Jeremiah shows us. And I know what you're thinking, a five-point sermon? <laughs> Aaron, we got to watch football. The Lions could actually be good. <laughs> Listen, here's my commitment to you. I can preach a five-point sermon in 90 minutes or less. Just, it's, no, okay, I commit to you. Here's my commitment. I will do this in the normal time that we set aside for a sermon. That's my commitment to you. And here's the commitment I would ask from you. Would you take one of these five practices and really take it with you? and implement it and apply it in your life. Because I think if you take even one of these and make it real in your life this week, that would be a huge win. So let's jump in to the story of Jeremiah. Uh, This is a prayer after his breaking point. And the first practice we're gonna look at, I'm calling it be honest. So this is a prayer. And I don't know how you start your prayers, but my prayers usually start with some version of, dear heavenly father, Here's how Jeremiah starts his prayer. You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. Whoa, okay, just hot out of the gate. Jeremiah, he's upset, he's angry, he's hurt. He's going, you lied to me, God. You misled me, God. You were not totally honest with me, God. What's he talking about? I think he's talking about his calling as a prophet, where God showed up and said, I need you to be a prophet, Jeremiah's going, you didn't tell me it was gonna be like this. And I'm just going, Jeremiah, okay, you had a bad day. I mean, it was a really bad day. You got beat up, put in stocks, and that is a bad day, but you had one bad day. Is it really this bad? Well, Jeremiah goes on. He says, I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. Couple words to highlight here. Ridicule, mocks, insult, reproach. Jeremiah's just going, everybody hates me. And I think he's right. Everybody hates this guy. Because all he does is deliver these prophecies that you're doomed, destruction is coming, and, and it's everybody hates him. He's the joke of Jerusalem. And he's going to God, you lied to me. You deceived me. I hate this job. And it's like, okay, well, Jeremiah, what, what were you expecting? Let's talk about that. When, when you took on this role of a prophet, like what did you think it was gonna be like? How did you think God was gonna treat you? And, you know, I think we have some answers to that question because Jeremiah, in his book, we actually have recorded God's call of him as a prophet. So if you turn all the way back to the very first chapter, we read this, and some of this is going to be familiar to you. Verse 4 of chapter 1, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Some of you know this verse very well. This could be one of your favorite verses. And it just speaks to the tenderness of God, his intimate knowledge of his people. But in this original context, this is Jeremiah's call of a prophet, as a prophet. 
And when God said these things to him, said, I, I want you to be a prophet, Jeremiah was like, I'm too young because he was, I think, just a teenager at this point. And he was scared. He's like, people are going to react badly. And so this is what God says to him. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you. Jeremiah, I, I will be with you in this and I will rescue you from them. Now you put all of this together. Jeremiah just got the daylight speed out of him. He's stuck in a stock overnight. Everybody hates this guy. And he's just going, God, I don't feel very rescued right now. I don't feel like you're with me at all. I feel like you've deceived me. And I just wonder if you ever felt like that, deceived by God. I wonder if you've ever felt like, okay, I'm doing everything that I can to try to follow God the way that he wants me to, and it, it is just not working out. And perhaps you're a high school student, and, and you're not participating with a lot of what people at school are doing because you're a Jesus follower. And it's not working out very well. You don't have very many friends. You feel lonely. You feel weird. And you're just going, I'm doing my best to follow you. It's not working out so great. Or perhaps you experience this in relationships. So let's talk about dating. You have, because of your faith, you have certain expectations, certain standards, certain boundaries. You've made a decision, okay, I'm not going to date people unless they're a committed Jesus follower. How's that working out? Well, you're single, and you've been single for a long time. And you're just going, I, I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing here, God. It's not working out so great. Or maybe you feel it at work. Your faith leads you to conduct yourself in a certain way. There's certain things you won't do, certain things you won't say, and your boss won't give you more significant accounts because he thinks you won't do what it takes to close the deal. And you're just going, God, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing what you're asking. It's not working out very well. What do you do when that's how you feel? Well, Jeremiah models for us honesty directly to God. And this, and this shouldn't be a surprise. If you've been with us in this series, this has been a key part of every message. I mean, Moses, Elijah, and now Jeremiah. It's just like, if you want to get through the breaking points of life, you've got to be honest with God about what you're thinking and what you're feeling. And so I'll ask you again, is there a conversation that you need to have with God where you really tell him how you're feeling? It's just, it's just foundational to getting through the breaking points of life. But there's something else here that we need to talk about. Because when you're in space where you feel like you're doing your best to follow God, and it's not working out so great, it's not making you happy, you're going to face something. You're going to face temptation. In that space, you will be tempted to go a different way. It's like, this isn't making me happy, I'm lonely. There is another way to try to get what I'm after. You will be tempted. And Jeremiah was as well. And so let's move to the second practice. The first practice was be honest. Second practice is be obedient. Jeremiah continues his prayer and he says, but if I say, I will not mention his word or speak anymore in his name. I just won't give the prophecy. 
If I do that, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. I, indeed, I cannot. It's like, hey, Jeremiah, there is a solution here to how you're feeling and everybody hating you. Stop smashing pottery. <laughs> Stop telling everybody that destruction is coming. I mean, quit with the doomsday prophecy thing, Jeremiah. And he's going, I tried. I tried. Couldn't do it. See, I, what I see here is Jeremiah really was tempted to, I'm just not going to give the prophecy. In fact, to me, it sounds like he even tried. Just, mm -mm, nope, not saying it, God. But he couldn't do it. And so if Jeremiah was tempted, all I'm saying is you and I will be tempted as well. But there's this bit about fire in his bones and all like, what is that about? Because doesn't it sound like Jeremiah just couldn't? He's like, it's like I just had to. I didn't have a, a choice. What, what's this about? Okay, here's what I think this is. Uh, back in the Old Testament, at the time of Jeremiah, there were certain individuals who God placed his spirit upon for a specific time and a specific purpose. People like Moses or King David or Jeremiah. And God placed his spirit on them to empower them, to encourage them, and to convict them. That when they veered off of God's path, that God's spirit would say, hey, don't do that. Don't go that way. It's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And when I hear Jeremiah saying, I didn't want to give the prophecy, I tried not to give the prophecy, but it was like a fire. And I just, I, to me, that sounds like the activity of the Holy Spirit. Now, what about us? So according to the teachings of the New Testament, you and I, if you are a Jesus follower, if you've placed your trust in Christ, every single one of us has received God's Holy Spirit, the very presence of God in us to empower us, to encourage us, to guide us, and to convict us. So that when we, when we go, hey, I think I'm gonna go this way because I'm not getting what I want, that the Spirit, there will be times that the Spirit will just whisper, don't do that. This isn't right. This isn't good. This isn't what God desires for you. And I wonder if you've ever experienced that. You're thinking about doing something you shouldn't. You are doing something that you shouldn't. And you just get this sense, this presence, this voice that's going, don't do that. This, this is not right. This is not what God wants for you. And what Jeremiah models for us here is obedience to listen to that voice. I think this is, this is crucial when traveling through the breaking points of life because we will be tempted. And so let me ask you, where do you sense the Spirit convicting you right now? I just know that some of us are thinking about doing something. It's maybe a relationship getting involved in something, going back to something. And some of us are doing something. But you can just sense the spirit of God going, don't do this. This is not right. This is not God's best for your life. And I would just plead with you, follow the example of Jeremiah. Listen to that voice. Because sin can never deliver what it promises. It promises life and in one form or another, only delivers death. And so Jeremiah, he models 
be obedient in the breaking points of life. But we gotta be real. Just because you listen to God's spirit, just because you stay on his path, that does not mean life is gonna be easy does not mean life is gonna be comfortable. And Jeremiah knows this firsthand and he's still wrestling with God about what he's going through. Verse 10, I hear many whispering, terror on every side. Denounce him, let's denounce him. All my friends are waiting for me to slip saying perhaps he will be deceived and then we will prevail over him and take our revenge on him. Jeremiah I mean, this guy is just, this is difficult. Even his friends are rooting for him to fail. The people that he grew up with are against him. He is, he is so alone. And you just go like, how is this guy getting through this when it's so difficult? And one of the answers to that question is that Jeremiah is remembering something very important. Third practice is remember. He's remembering and he's clinging to something very important. And we see this in verse 11 where he says, but, but the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. And so my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. Everybody hates him. He's just been beaten up. He's been in the stocks overnight and he has the audacity to say, but the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. Jeremiah believes something and that is I am not alone. But you look at his circumstances and you're like, I'm not seeing it, man. <laughs> like, I think you are alone. Everybody hates you. Where's Jeremiah getting this? Where is he coming up with this? God is with me like a mighty warrior. I think he's remembering something. In fact, he's remembering something that we've already looked at. Back in Jeremiah 1, the call of God on his life to be a prophet, where again, God said to him, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. And I just imagine Jeremiah in the stocks, uncomfortable, in pain, going, God, I know you are with me, I believe that you will rescue me. He's remembering this promise. He's clinging to this promise. And, and you might just be going, like, wait a second. Just, just a second ago, just a minute ago, he was telling God, you deceived me. You said you're gonna be with me and you're not. So how does this work? How do these two things go together? Well, I do believe that it is possible to remember and cling to the promises of God and the same time, at the same time, to be totally honest with God. To be able to say, God, I believe that you are with me, but I do not feel it right now. I got questions, but I choose to believe that you are with me. You can do both, you can hold them in tension. And so Jeremiah, he's remembering, he's clinging to this promise that God gave him. And I'm telling you, if, you, if you're going to get through the breaking points of life, with your faith intact, you have to remember and cling to the promises of God. And so Je Jeremiah, God promised him, I will be with you and I will rescue you. What has God promised you? What has God promised us? What promises should we be clinging to in our breaking points? This book gives us the promises of God. 
God has revealed himself and his promises through his word. And that is why his word is so incredibly valuable and worth our time and attention. And so my challenge for you would be, make this book a priority in your life. Learn the promises that God has made you and do it now. Because when you're in a breaking point, it's too late. I mean, it's kind of hard to remember promises that you don't know. And it's a little tough to cling to promises that you aren't familiar with. And that's why it's so important and so valuable to read his word, study his word, memorize his word, sit under the teaching of his word now before you get into the breaking point so that we can remember and cling to the promises when we absolutely need them. That's what Jeremiah models for us. Now, where his prayer turns next, it gets a little darker. And uh, he's clinging to another promise that God has made to his people. And this one has to do with how Jeremiah is processing the pain that he's in because people have been awful to him. The supposed leaders of God's people and his friends have been awful to him. They have hurt him. And isn't it true that many of the breaking points that we find ourselves in, well, we get into them because of something somebody did to us. Pain that they inflicted on us. And what we choose to do with that pain and that hurt has a lot to do with whether or not we can get through those breaking points in a way that's healthy. And so let's look at this promise that Jeremiah is clinging to. The fourth practice is called release revenge. Verse 12, Jeremiah says, Lord Almighty, you who examine the righteous, and probe the heart and the mind. Let me see your vengeance on them, for to you I have committed my cause. It's like he's going, God, you know, you see into their hearts, you know what they've done to me, you know their motivation. And God, I want you to take revenge on them. I'm committing my cause to you, God. Does this seem overly harsh to you? Does this seem... Uh, not very Jesus-y to you. I mean, where is Jeremiah coming up with this? God, take vengeance on these people for they have hurt me. Well, the Jewish people, like Jeremiah, uh, for them, the Torah was just a, a huge deal, foundational for their faith. And the Torah is the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's the Torah. And I think that Jeremiah is drawing on a promise that God gave his people from the book of Deuteronomy. And so uh, I'm going to read this off the screen. Check this out. This, this is God speaking from the book of Deuteronomy. I will take revenge. I will pay them back. In due time, their feet will slip. Their day of disaster will arrive and their destiny will overtake them. Indeed, the Lord will give justice to his people. Now, there is a version of the Bible where this might be a little more familiar to you. The old King James Version, remember that one? 
In that version, it reads, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And what's being presented here is God is saying, look, I will be the one that takes revenge. I will bring justice for my people. I'll take revenge, not you. And what God is promising here is to make things right, to hold wrongdoers accountable and to bring justice for his people. And Jeremiah is remembering this promise. He's he's clinging to this promise and he's asking God to make things right and to hold these wrongdoers accountable. He's asking God to take vengeance on them. And the reason is because Jeremiah has been deeply wounded. He's carrying a lot of pain and a lot of hurt. And so he's trying to give that to God. He's trying to release that to God and trust God with that pain. And a question I have for you is, what pain are you carrying? And I wonder who hurt you. And I wonder how you feel about that person who hurt you. And did you know that it's okay and actually good to desire that God would hold people accountable for the wrong that they've done? It is a good thing to desire that God would make all things right. That you would give vengeance to God. But we have to acknowledge something. This is precarious space. Because when you've been hurt, when you've been wounded, when you're carrying pain, the most natural response in the world is, I'm gonna pay you back. You hurt me, I'm gonna hurt you. It's just, it's just so automatic in us. It's just the natural response. In that desire for, let's just call it what it is, revenge, That's not the way of Jesus. And it's not what Jeremiah models for us here. What Jeremiah is modeling is honestly expressing his hurt and giving that over to God, trusting God with it. I release revenge to you, knowing that you will make all things right, that you are a God of justice, and that you will hold wrongdoers accountable. And so just a challenging question for us. Who do you need to release? What revenge do you need to release? And just say, I release my right to make them pay with my actions. I release my right to make them pay with my words. I release my right to make them pay with silence. I release my right to make them pay by holding on to this anger. You see, what we choose to do with the pain that's been inflicted on us, it just has a lot to do with whether or not we can travel through the breaking points of life in a way that's healthy, emotionally and spiritually healthy. And so the challenge is release that revenge to God. This could be a a huge step in your life to just go, God, I trust you with this. You are a God of justice. And Jeremiah models for us, don't choose revenge. Instead, choose something else. It's the fifth practice, choose worship. Now, this prayer 
it, it's, it's like schizophrenic how emotionally all over the place it is. But literally right after this, God, I want to see your vengeance. This is what we read. Sing to the Lord. Give praise to his name. He rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Why? Because he rescues, he rescues his people. He rescues the life of the needy. It's like Jeremiah breaks into a worship song. And I just wonder, I mean, was he in the stocks? And did he just lift his eyes to heaven and begin to sing? And just exclaim, God, I believe you're in control. God, I believe you're good. And I know that you've got me. Because isn't that what worship is? It's acknowledging who God is, that he's strong, that he's on his throne, that he's good, and it's just this expression of trust. God, I know that you've got me. And and I'm telling you, if we're gonna get through the breaking points of life, emotionally healthy, our faith intact, you've gotta be able to look up, no matter what your circumstances, whether they're good or bad, and just look up and say, God, I know that you're in control, God, I know that you ordained this. God, I know, I believe that you are good and I just trust that you've got me. Isn't that what worship is? And that's what Jeremiah models for us. And so what I wanna do as we wrap up our time today is I just wanna give us an opportunity to choose worship. And so here in all of our environments, I just invite our worship teams back to the stage. Jeremiah chooses to worship in these moments. And I don't, think, I don't think it's because God needed his worship. Like somehow God is like, I'm just, I'm just not happy unless people are singing to me. Like that, God doesn't need anything. But you know who needs worship? We do. Because worship is so powerfully reorienting and recentering. It, it restores us. And so I, I just invite you to choose worship in these moments.